And so as always, we, 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 we wish to, um, to, to read this text. There's nothing that a man can say uh, that is of, is of importance if it's not connected uh, with this word. And so uh, we want to read this word together. And so once again, 16 through 26, and it says there uh, from God's word, but I say, Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we can, brothers and sisters, let's pray this morning over this word. Lord God, we come before you now. I pray that you would be in your text for us this morning. Lord, that you would speak in regards to your spoken word here, God, in the Bible. Lord, I pray that you would uh, uh, take away all distraction from our mind, that we may be able to come and sit and listen and hear from you this morning, including the pastor. Lord, I pray that we would revere your word and that your word is life to us. Be honored and glorified this morning now as we hear and listen to it. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. Well, the title of this morning's uh, sermon is, some of you who like taking notes, uh, it is A Walk in the Spirit. And I want to say before I even get started um, that I am not going to do something that I kind of really would love to do. I believe that I could literally spend an entire sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. What I am not going to do this morning is I'm not going to expound or do exposition on each of those fruit of the Spirit this morning. So we will read, and it will be intertwined with what is being said this morning. But this morning, I would say that the sermon and the text will be for me anyway, maybe for, well, actually for all of us, it will be maybe, possibly, difficult for your ears to hear. Let me tell you why. Because you are flesh. Do y'all know that? So your flesh may not like what is being said today, I don't necessarily like preaching it because it gets me in a lot of trouble, and I am also flesh. So see, I I got this war going on with myself as well. So I want us to understand that this morning's uh, sermon in regards to this text is not necessarily popular in our day and age. It's It's not necessarily popular in our culture, meaning what will be stated and dealt with here this morning uh, is not easy. The fact The truth is the fact that I myself am the one who is preaching it, knowing that literally I am not somehow a model of this understanding. I want to, I I, I seek to model it. I seek to live it out in my own life and lead in this regard. But I am not perfect in this. I am not the poster child. I am not the one who should be allowed to wear a t-shirt in this regard. Makes me feel a little bit uh, trepidation this morning. I guess what I'm trying to say is it humbles me. So if you see me getting loud, it's the passion part of me, and it's not the anger part because this man has no reason to stand in judgment over anyone in regards to what we are going to look at this morning. However, we as Christian men and women specifically rejoice in something. And what do we rejoice in, church? The truth. So even if it affects Kyle Schiff, it doesn't matter. It's the truth. 
So just as Jesus Christ, as we've been looking at in the book of Galatians, is the primary force behind justification, which means right standing before God, the Holy Spirit is the primary force, although we as Christians enter in in partnership with the Holy Spirit for our sanctification. It's a partnership. The Holy Spirit and us, we have to do certain things in order to grow, but it's behind, it's the primary source behind our sanctification, the Spirit, which is a growth towards holiness. So, so Christian, listen, a believer can no more sanctify him or herself, can no more sanctify him or her own self than they were able to save themselves on their own. Meaning, a Christian cannot live the Christian life by their own resources any more than they could have saved themselves by those same resources. And while justification is solely on Christ, in, in other words, justification is solely on the finished work of what Christ has done, no glory to be shared there with us. He will not share his glory with another in this regard. Growth or sanctification while it is a partnership, is still a great deal dependent on our relationship, listen to to me, church, the Holy Spirit. It's still greatly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes in Christianity, people go, God has a part to play, amen, and I have a part, and it's almost as if maybe in a lot of Christian circles that the Holy Spirit is just kind of left out of the entire equation, isn't he? That that, that it's God and man plays, but this Holy Spirit thing doesn't play much. It plays, listen to me, church, a great deal. A great deal. Sadly, many who call themselves Christians today never lean on and depend upon the Holy Spirit in their growth and life in Christ. And they, or we, are weaker for it. We will always limp along, if not outright fail, on our own strength, apart from the Holy Spirit. So many today focus on decision. Uh, A decision. The moment where I said, I believe God, or I believe the gospel for myself. And we go from there, and oftentimes, we don't go much further past that point in our Christian walk and maturity. Believe, ask God into your life and heart, the way we say in American culture, ask God, ask Jesus into your heart, whatever that means. And in so doing, or saying a prayer, hey, amen, high five, sit down, we're waiting for Jesus to come back, as if though it's one and done, and it is in justification, but there, God, listen church, God is calling you to so much more than just a one-time moment in your past. He's calling us to a progression in our lives until the day we meet Jesus Christ, which means he has called you. No, he he has not called you to a life of Christian boredom. Amen? He has not called us to a life of Christian ease and cultural Christianity boredom. As if that was it and that is done. church, if we do not depend on the Holy Spirit, God's strength, in other words, wrestling with him in prayer and his word, then we will be left depending on ourselves. We will be left depending on our own strength. We will be left to depend on our own might, our own wisdom, our own resources. This was Paul's encouragement to those who claim Christ in Galatia. This is, what, this is what Paul is writing about this entire book that we've been looking at together. He says to the church of Galatia, have you found freedom? And we've already learned that the church of Galatia writes back and says to Paul, yes, we have. In whom, Paul may ask, in Jesus Christ. And if in Jesus Christ, how is it, Or are you able to boast? No, we have no boasting ability. Christ has done it all. So if Christ has done it all in the church of Galatia, then why is it, he said, are you trying to mature and grow on your own? You have found freedom in Jesus, and now you're trying to progress in the flesh. 
in the power of your own doing and thinking. Brothers and sisters, let me say something real quick, okay? I told you that today I'm coming at you a little different. I have no points to my sermon. Is that okay? Okay, that's not okay. Okay, but it's going to be okay because I'm doing it anyway. There are no points. There's no A, B, C. There's no one, two, three. What I want us to do is if we can is to stare intently at the text before us and hear literally what I believe is a very countercultural Christian message, specifically in American culture, specifically in American culture. By the way, that's all of you, except for Josue, he's from Argentina, okay? So there's that, all right? So there is that before us. So I want you just to look real quick, verse 16 through 17, and let's look at that again together this morning. And it says there in our text, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Now, now this morning, what I want you to see first and foremost, if you are taking notes, you can circle the word walk or put it off to the side. That That word for walk in your text means, in the Greek, it means to be continuous. It means that the walk is a regular action. Another way I would put this is the, the idea of walking from point A to point B is a, supposed to be, it's a habitual in nature. It's a constant doing. It happens uh, uh, quite frequently. And he says in our text this morning, walk continuously, regularly, habitually towards something. Walking here implies progress. A walking implies a getting from one point to another. You see, as the believer submits to the Spirit's control and leading in life dependency, they move forward in their spiritual life. There is growth and there is maturity. A Philippians 1 6 says, He who began a good work in you will see it to completion. I got good news for all of you. Here's the good news, okay? Good news. If God is at work in you and his spirit resides in you, he, meaning God, will see it to completion. Amen? I got more good news. You think that the good news doesn't stop there. The good news is that God has got this. It's taken care of. Amen, hallelujah, we can rest. And yet, I got more good news. God says, I invite you to be a part of this with me. Amen? So there is truth there that it is all, it is all by the grace and the mercy of God, God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet the good news is that we, we partner with God to this end as well. I.e., no boredom here. There's no boredom here. There is expectation. Uh, uh, J.C. Ryle, one of my uh, favorite uh, Anglican pastors uh, uh, of old, and, and so I, I look over at you, Charles, right? Like, so uh, the bishop there in Liverpool said once, but to everyone who is downright earnest about their souls, it would claim such to those who hunger and thirst after spiritual life, the question ought come home with searching power. Do we make progress in our profession? Do we grow? Do we grow? Now my question this morning to all of us in attendance is this. Christian, specifically, are you finding yourself, don't raise your hand because everybody will probably judge you. It's a Southern Baptist church, right? Don't do that. Are you finding yourself in a state of, listen, stagnation? Wives, don't poke your husbands. That's not nice. A state of stagnation. Are you finding yourself at the same spiritual state as when you first believed? As if the greatest growth in your spiritual walk with Christ is always spoken in the past tense. God did this for me. Or, 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 or uh, as if so, somehow or another, uh, there's now little to nothing new today in the present. As if something happened to you as opposed to something happening to you. You see the difference? 
this happened to me, this is happening to me. Sadly, maybe I'm just telling on my own Christian circles. I've been in the church for, you know, 20 some odd years. Oftentimes, I meet a great many people, and I've been there myself included, where you look around and you think of God in the past tense. Brothers and sisters, listen, I love you too much. I, I, I want you to know that, that God has saved you from a Christianity past tense. He has saved you for more than looking backwards at good days. My wife used to always say to me, when I was younger in the faith, I would say, and this is, I'm telling, I'm, I'm making a confession here. In my immaturity in Christ, I used to say things like, and Misty, you probably remember, I wish I could just go back to that day. I wish I could just go back to that season. Man, life was so good in that moment, and I'm in a hardship or a difficulty. My wife's response always was, you don't want to go back there. To my, to my response, why? And she goes, because whatever happened back then led you to this. <laughs> you see, something went awry. Something went awry. Oh, it was so good back then. Now, my wife's always telling me, yeah, yeah grass is always greener. You don't forget how bad it really was. Thank you, Misty, for that humility and truth and all the grace you show me. The fact is, the fact is, God has delivered us from a faith backwards. If that is you this morning, now I'm going to read you something that I'm going to pull myself back so that you don't think I'm mad or angry. You know I me, mean? I get real, you know, Holly and I were talking this week. I got a frown line, it always makes me look like I'm angry, and she does too. She's got a sitting mad face, right? So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, we all need to hear this. We, here's the word I used Revelation 3, 1 through 2. The angel of the, of the churches in Revelation says to the church in Sardis, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. I love this. Watch this. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. I read this to us in love. But please understand something this morning as I read it to you. I would not want you to believe this is a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of a situation. You know, like me sitting there saying in order to wake up is basically me saying just believe better. Hey, church, just pray harder. Read your Bible more. Now, don't get me wrong. Those are all true statements. Some of you know that if you've, if you've struggled with some things here along the way in your life, sometimes uh, the last thing you need, even though it might be true, is someone coming and telling you in Christian circles, hey, just, just have faith. <laughs> just pray. Truth. But if it was that simple, wouldn't it just be fixed? <laughs> just, just, just believe harder, brother. Oh, okay, I'll try that one tomorrow. You know? <laughs> No, there's more to it than this. And I would say that it's dependence on three things. It's dependence on God's word. It's dependence on the Holy Spirit. And it's dependence upon each other. God, for whatever reason, and for his, uh, his plan has said, for spiritual growth, it will be my word, it will be my spirit, and it will be community with each other. Yes, pray harder, believe better, read Bible more. yes. But God has called us to more in each other's spiritual maturity and well-being in the church. But please, understand something. I would not want you to believe this is that type of a situation. And the reason why I will tell you the text doesn't even allow you to go there is look what it says next. It's just a little tiny word. It's walk, and the next word is what? By. Walk by. The word by here implies being led. And we already know it before us. It's very simple. Led by what? It's led by the Spirit. No, this is not a picture of try harder and do more, Christian. It is actually a matter of, listen to me, try less. Try less, as in the flesh, and depend and submit more on the Spirit. Church, I have good news for you this morning. Y'all ready for it? Give up. Amen? 
Amen. Hey, Kyle, thanks so much. Kyle, the pastor just said for us, he came into a room. You talk about, you talk about giving me you know, a pep in my step or how to attack my day. I'll give it to you. Ready? Give up. That's going to be on T-shirts flying out the window, right? Pastor Kyle, give up. The Lord loves you, right? The truth is God does love you, and he is saying to you in the gospel, give up and let me lead. Give up all your trying and all your doing and all your works and let me take the place of the one who is only perfect enough to complete it for you. Brothers and sisters, this is the the epitome of all love. God himself says, I love you. Bless your little heart. I can do this. Give up me. Brothers and sisters, you can quote me on this. Pastor Kyle said, give up. Give up. Now you may be asking this morning, man, is Pastor Kyle saying that if I have setbacks, sin and stagnation, we all have been there, done that, that if I have seasons of dryness and or weakness in my Christian walk, then I should be questioning my salvation? To so the answer to that is, listen to me, no, not necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes those warrant a, a look at our walk with Christ and where we are spiritually, but not always. No, not necessarily. Because it says there in our text too, look at me. Walk by the Spirit, but look what it says. But those in the Spirit do not, and it says in our text next there, gratify the desires of the flesh. They do not gratify the desires of the flesh. The word gratify here in the text means give pleasure or satisfaction. Do not give pleasure or satisfaction to the flesh. You see, in the spirit, we do not seek to feed that monster, the flesh. Brothers and sisters, you gotta understand something. You have justification before God. Sanctification is a growing to be more like Christ until the day we die. Third and lastly is this little area called just, I mean, uh, glorification. We are not yet glorified. You know that, right? So many preachers and teachers in Christianity keep trying to teach you somehow that you go from justification to glorification all at once. And I'm telling you, stop, time out. That's not true. If anything can be a good lesson to that, look at COVID. Your glorified bodies will not ever get COVID. Some of you love Christ Jesus and are walking with him and you've lost people to COVID. You may have had COVID. I'm using that as an example of the fact that your bodies are not yet glorified. How many of y'all know that? Ed, when you're in the hospital bed with a bunch of tubes pumped through your lungs, did you think, I'm glorified? You're holy for sure, but you weren't glorified. That just came to me right then. I'll be here all week. Is this thing on? Is this thing on? No. That will come. And what I want you to know is it says it will not. Our flesh desires certain things that our spirit, if we are truly in God, does not desire. In the spirit, we do not seek to feed that monster. I was out jogging because I thought about losing weight and feeling great and, and being a new me in 2000. Oh, that's 22. That's 23. Excuse me. That's my tagline for that. A new you in 22. That's me. My wife got me this Fitbit. As a, um, I said somebody, it's like a vacuum cleaner. It's like, hey, hey, here's a gift for you for Christmas. Lose weight, fatty, right? It's like, it's like, thanks a lot. But here's the thing. The truth is I actually love this thing, and it's got me running all the time because I'm kind of competitive, and I try to, I like, if I was competing against you, I wouldn't care as much, but like, I clicked this thing. I was like, oh, you ran that much last week? I'm going to beat you this week. I like beating myself. It's awesome. And um, as I'm w- running through our neighborhood, we have a lot of like little areas like ponds in our area, and there's signs that all of, a sudden, all of a sudden start showing up. It says, do not feed the geese. You know what I'm talking about? Well, here's the thing. The geese are actually kind of pretty. I like seeing the geese frolicking and flying by. But here's the thing about geese. Maybe you know this already. Geese like to all over the place, right? They, they, they have bowel movements left and right. They, they sneeze and things. It's just bad. It's bad. It's like they're everywhere. The issue is the signs are there for a purpose. Yes, they look beautiful, and yes, they're, they are full of grandeur at some points, but the, the community says do not feed the geese because what the geese are leaving everywhere is poop everywhere. It's in the water. It's on, people's, it's on the sidewalks. It's like it's gross. You got kids at the park playing in poop. Do not feed the geese. <laughs> the issue here, you're going, Kyle, what does that have to do with the text? It has everything to do with the text. 
It says, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do not feed the flesh. In the flesh, we say fun, happiness, pretty. God says, do not gratify, do not feed the geese. Because all the flesh desires is poo in regards to what God has for you. I did not mean for that, for that to rhyme, but it works. Verse 17 says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. What I want you to know is that this entire passage this morning that we're looking at right before us, just just right now alone in 16 and 17, this entire passage is about war. Did you know that? This passage is about war. The word opposed means the, the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another. The word opposed means eager to prevent the other. It means contrasting and conflicting with each other. In other words, what it means is continual conflict. The flesh wants one thing and the spirit desires another. Brothers and sisters, welcome to the Christian life. Whoever told you that coming into the Christian life was just a a walk in the park lied to you. I'm sorry if they did that, but it is a lie. It is a lie. The Christian walk The Christian life is not always a walk in the park, a stroll through the countryside, or a nice and peaceful walk in a field full of flowers among the birds and butterflies on a nice little sunny day. Sometimes, and I would even say sometimes often, the Christian walk is a stroll in intimate territory of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Do you remember the Apostle Paul? He said, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul longed for the day that he could shed this thing, this old thing right here, off and be with Christ and not have the, the war this side of heaven with the flesh, the world, and the devil that wages war against us every single day. Brothers and sisters, if you don't think that the world out there and Satan out there and the flesh in here, meaning us, we're still in the flesh, wants to de- destroy all that God is doing Wake up. Wake up, as Revelation says to us. The way many paint Christianity today, many call you to gain, and there is true and real gain in the Christian life, but very few ask you to count the cost. See, this is where I enter into the world of not being very popular or culturally sensitive, okay? There are many people, and I would even say well-meaning, oftentimes well-meaning, who want to sell Christianity as this absolutely wonderful uh, addition to your American life or your life in general on the face of the planet. And I want to say something real quick, so I don't want you to say, hear something I didn't say. I'm not saying that that isn't necessarily true. There are absolutely, there's benefits to being a believer this side of heaven in our Christianity and as Americans, absolutely. But what I'm going to tell you is the carrot in order to get the, the masses, the carrot in order to make the donkey move is incorrect and inappropriate and I am sorry if that rains on your American parade sorry the gospel has rained on my American parade and I'm better for it I am better in the spirit for it than I am in the flesh without it the issue that we have before us is that people say come and receive look at the greatness of what you can get in Christianity He will save you from a life of meaningless. He'll save you from this, maybe a good job, maybe this, maybe that, health, wealth, prosperity, whatever it may be, a life of abundance, a life of happiness without any sorrow. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you right now, that is all hogwash and a lie. And y'all know it. (laughs) I'm just so happy, I just so happen to have been a missionary to persecuted brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ whom the Bible says that we will experience hostility in this world of the world, the flesh, and the devil wages war against our souls. It says that they are opposed. The flesh is opposed to the spirit and the spirit is opposed to the flesh. I didn't write this. I just point to it. Many find it far easier to call people to the good life of ease and comfort and a what's in it for me, for, you know, for your flesh short of a walk you know, like the best life now of Christianity in existence, 
with all his experiences and with all of its amusements, the carrot is wiggled so that the believer will hopefully step. It says in Ephesians 2, 3 through 5, listen, church, listen. Specifically, you in Christ, listen. And you were dead, dead. And the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You once walked. Now it's calling us in our text to walk according by walk by the Spirit. But before it says that we walked following the course of this world. The world is out there. It's opposed to the things of God. It knows nothing of the things of God. It's an enemy of God. That's your first enemy. Ephesians goes on to say, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Brothers and sisters, that is Satan. That's a spiritual realm and forces that we do not see that wages war against us every single day. That's your second enemy. Now continue. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. There's your third one. You are your own problem and your own enemy. You are your own problem and enemy. Goes on to say, carrying out the desires of the body and in the mind and we're by nature children of wrath. And that's all in who we are apart from a saving work of Jesus Christ. We were all children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Pastor Kyle, are you any better than anyone else? No, just as worse, if not worse. But thanks be to God, I am not who I want to be. I'm not even who I hope to be. But one thing I know is I'm not who I used to be. And by God's grace, I am what I am. Man. Goes on to say, but God, but God. One of my favorite words in the entire Bible is but. I love it because it said, but something's coming, but something's coming. Right? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, praise be to God, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Amen? Brothers and sisters, are you at war with your flesh? Or are you simply going through life with no real care concerning being at war with it? You see, the Spirit of God will stir in you, every one of us, a holy discontentment in the life of the flesh. It will not only, it will not only save you from the wrath of God in the gospel. However, as Christians, you will have new appetites and new joys. I'll give you a little hint. For the believer, the joy of our salvation is in the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 17 says, this is given to us, why? To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Let me tell you what that means. What you want to do in the flesh is now disrupted by who you have in the spirit. And if anyone ever said that when you became a Christian, you no longer were gonna struggle, they lied to you. Some even maybe even well-intentioned. It's still a lie. It doesn't matter what you meant by when you did it. It's not true. Listen, church, if God and the Spirit is in you, at war will you be. You will not be perfect, but you will be opposed. And let me just go ahead and shed a little, 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 I'm going to drop some knowledge on you real quick. You will be far more opposed to sin in your own heart, life, and soul first and of first importance before you even see it in another person. Did you hear what I just said? Because if we are all honest and quit being so judgmental and, and, and not understanding the idea of, of mercy and grace shed to us, brothers and sisters, I am the chief of sinner, as Paul said. I have enough depravity in Kyle Schiff my wife will tell you, and my kids will too. I'm going to be busy till God comes home, until Christ comes home. Do I care about where you are? Yes, I do, and that's the one another's of Scripture. But brothers and sisters, may I not get so heavy-headed or so high-minded the fact that I realize that I don't have areas of my own life and my own heart that are dark. When we all come to each other understanding this about ourselves, that we are people of the flesh, but we long for the Spirit, then we will just give truth to each other all the time. And it says that we will rejoice with the truth. Go ahead and hit that slide for me real quick. Elijah. 
this illustration, I wish I could say that I came up with it. Most of you probably already heard it already before, but I'm just going to use it because it's just so great and good. It's the difference between a wartime Christianity versus a cruise ship mentality sort of Christianity. You know, we have right here in our harbor, the USS North Carolina, right? One of the most decorated warships in World War II. The warship has some characteristics that make it a warship, a battleship. A cruise ship has some amenities or things that make it a cruise ship. We're all living, listen, brothers and sisters, in a spiritual war zone. If you hit the next one for me, just real quick, by way of just, uh, you know, we went a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, or months ago now, thank you, Misty, my time always kind of, I got married five years ago, um, and, and so we were there recently, and we took pictures, we went underneath it, y'all, some of you have already been there before, but you know what, everywhere I looked, there was a gun. Now, if you know anything about me, that's cool, right, I like guns. So I was like, gun, 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 bomb, 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 missile, 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 I was like, wow, this is awesome, right? And so we were on this warship. There's characteristics that our kids learned. It missed, little Elizabeth was down in the, the bowels of the ship, and even she was like, I want to go up the top again. It was like freaking her out, right? She's like, let's get out of here. When she saw the people had to take showers by them, like on top of each other. She's like, I got to get out of here. I can't handle this. Comp- I can't comprehend this, right? It's not very convenient. It's not very comfortable. If you've ever been on the battleship, brothers and sisters, everything's hard everywhere. I didn't see a pillow anywhere, Right? There just wasn't any lounge chairs anywhere to be seen on the decks. The the New Testament writers warned against spiritual dullness and in the dangers of living like a civilian rather than soldiers. Paul saw himself as a career soldier whose job was to warn fellow people or soldiers, people like you and me, by the way, that spiritual warfare calls for living in a perpetual state of readiness and alertness. Without the sense of alertness, you will succumb to a cruise ship mentality which jeopardizes the fulfillment of the Great Commission and Christian maturity. Those on a battleship declare, we are at war. Whereas those on a cruise ship say, we're on vacation. Passengers on the battleship think it's all about God. While their counterparts on the cruise ship think it's all about me. Those with battleship mentality say, I am the crew, while the cruise ship mindset thinks, I must be served by the crew. Those on the battleship view God as the faithful general, while those on the cruise ship see him as their entertainment director. Every soldier in the army of God must ask him or herself this, are we on a cruise ship or on a battleship here, even at College Acres? The way we answer that question makes a difference in how we carry ourselves, our lives, and our doings. The way that we execute our duties, the way that we see ourselves a part of the whole, and what comes on on, on the other end of that. Cruise ship Christianity is akin to one long holiday. It's like living inside the love boat where every day was a party. Passengers boarded the sick, to sit back, to relax, take a cushion, get comfortable, and demand services. Everyone on the ship was there for a good time to see the sights, enjoy the fun destinations, and return home with maybe some souvenirs that remind them of how much fun that they had. Perhaps this is a great reason why so many seem either utterly, listen to me, bored, it can happen on a cruise ship, or so woefully unprepared in the church today. Are a great many pastors and preachers even teaching and preparing their people for such as a wartime battleship, let's get ready, something's coming mentality. No, the church in America is bloated, she is soft, she is weak, and dare I say this, she is woefully unprepared for what could come her way in the next couple decades. We've been sitting on the cushion too long, maybe. We've demanded things of our services maybe a little too long. It will come home, and it will roost, and it will lay an egg. Are we building our churches in the truth of a wartime mentality or cruise ship living? Sadly, it would seem, especially in America, we continually feed the monster of the flesh, even in the way that we seek to build our churches. What is the foundation of this church? And what will be the foundation of so many other churches? 
God's glory or man's entertainment? Man's comfort or our being used to the day that Christ comes home? It is a pleasure to serve the king. This dumbing down the call and mandate of Christ is leaving many weak in their witness and life for Christ. Brothers and sisters, we were made for so much grander and greater things than so much of what so many sell in the church today. And so often we look for and desire in our flesh. The things of the flesh will be opposed to the things of the spirit and vice versa. The violence of this war with the flesh is further seen in verse 24. If you look with me real quick. And it says there, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Be at war with yourself. Attack it in the word of God, in the Holy Spirit, and in the confines of Christian community. Put it to death. It's the flesh. It's not of the spirit necessarily. The context here is clear. However, it can be added that the passion and the desire of ease and comfort and amusement, the what's in it for me type of Christianity, is not a sign of maturity. Brothers and sisters, no. And it's hot time people start saying it's a sign of infancy in Christ. You're not mature when you think that way. You are the one, and we're okay with that. We love babes. We love babies here. Suck on milk. It's milk, but you're not eating steak. It's not a sign of maturity. It's a sign of immaturity. And I'll say this really quickly. There's something about war that sharpens the senses and makes one aware. When you know that something's out there to kill you, and you know it's out there somewhere like in the woods, you're heightened. You're alert. The twig snaps. The rustling of the leaves or a noise is heard. Eyes and ears pierce the darkness. There might be enemies in the camp. We're watching. It doesn't take us so easily because we're, we're mindful, we're ready for whatever may come. Brothers and sisters, I think that in our cruise ship mentality as an American Christian, somehow or another, we've become, we've become less and less alert. And the enemy is maybe in the camp. That's what happens. Could it be that many are so consumed with fleshly pleasures and ease that many have grown weak in our own world with the world, the flesh, and the devil? I wonder... If a great segment of the churches, and I'm speaking generality, of course, witness and work have suffered because we have grown so soft in our comfort, our ease, in our American what's-in-it-for-me entertainment, consumer-bent kind of Christianity. I, as a pastor, am tired of feeding it. I won't feed it. Because that's not what God's called me to do in the life of the church, to feed your flesh. No, I would rather you go hungry on that stuff so that you can take a nibble of what really feels. I will not meet you there. I will not feed your flesh. Guess that makes me a bad guy. Okay. Charles Spurgeon once wrote this, and I'm going to read it straight from what he wrote. It's a long quote. I hesitate even doing such a long quote, but I believe it's that good. Over 150 years ago, Charles Spurgeon wrote, An evil is in the professed camp of the Lord, so gross in its impudence that the most short-sighted Christian can hardly fail to notice it. During the past few years, this evil has developed at an alarming rate. It has worked like leaven until the whole lump ferments. The devil has seldom done a more clearer, a clever thing than hinting to the church that part of their mission is to provide entertainment for the people with a view to winning them. From speaking out the gospel, the church has gradually toned down her testimony, then winked at and excused the frivolities of the day. Then she tolerated them in her borders. Now she has adopted them under the plea of reaching the masses. Good intentions goes on to say, my first contention is that providing amusement for the people is nowhere spoken of in the scripture as a function of the church. If it is a Christian work, why did not Christ speak of it? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and provide amusement for those who do not actually relish in the gospel. No such words, however, are to be found. Again, providing amusement is in direct antagonism to the teaching and life of Christ and all his apostles 
What was the attitude of the apostolic church to the world? Scripture says, you are the salt of the world. Not the sugar candy, something the world will spit out, not swallow. Had Christ introduced more of the bright and pleasant elements into his mission, he would have been more popular, we say, with the people back then. But because of the searching nature of his teachings, even Jesus could learn a thing or two. I do not hear him say, run after these people, Peter, and tell them that we will have a different style of service tomorrow, something short and attractive with little preaching. We will have a pleasant evening for the people. Tell them that they will be sure to enjoy it. Be quick, Peter. We must get the people somehow. Jesus pitied sinners, sighed and wept over them, but he never sought to amuse them. In vain will the epistles be searched to find any trace of this gospel of amusement. Their messages come out, keep out, and keep clean out. Anything approaching fooling is conspicuous by its absence. They had boundless confidence in the gospel and employed no other weapon but the weapon of the gospel for the glory of God and the good of his people, end quote. After Peter and John were locked up for preaching, the church had a prayer meeting. This is what he goes on to say next. But they did not pray, Lord, grant unto thy servants that by a wise and discriminating use of innocent recreation, we may show these people how happy we are. They're in prison, guys. If they ceased not from preaching Christ, they had no, not time for arranging entertainments. Scattered by persecution, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. They turned the world upside down. That is the only difference. Lord, clear the church of all the rot and the rubbish and the devil has imposed on her and bring us back to apostolic methodology once again. Amen, end quote. Brothers and sisters, this is such an indictment on the American church. Conclusion. Brothers and sisters, in the gospel, through our study of God's word, dependence on the spirit and our shared joy together in community, I need you to know something right now. As a military guy who trained for certain things, that doesn't mean that I never experienced joy while being in the military because I was always training. No, there was joys to be found and to be had. Brothers and sisters, may the joy of the Lord, (laughs) that's, that's the difference. May the joy of the Lord be the sounding of our voices to a nation in a world that does not know him. Our joy comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are sinners, wretched and poor we are enemies of God we had no way unto him and he makes a way for us in Jesus Christ we have been found we have been saved not only does he find and save us he gives us his word he gives us his holy spirit he gives us each other for our growth in holiness so that we can be active and used for God's glory anyone who ever told you that being a Christian is easy it's not you will be at war with so many things Brothers and sisters, listen to me, mark it down. Please hear me. Most Christians don't have eternity on the eyelids of their, their, their eyelids and the pillows of their eyes. You were not made for here. This is not your home. You know that, right? You're a stranger and a pilgrim here. Don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. You were made for such greater things than this. What I'm asking you is possibly some of my reason for stagnation in my own Christian walk at times. Sometimes I get stagnant because honestly, I get bored. Mine's maybe a little different. I long for something so much greater and so much grander that I believe Jesus Christ died for on the cross to give us, and we seem satisfied, as C.S. Lewis said, like little kids in the mud, making mud pies when you were made for a vacation by the seashore. We settle for the scraps from the master's table when honestly God says, come and eat the choicest meat at the banquet. I must stop this. We have been saved for so much more than this. And brothers and sisters, I I say this in closing. It is to that which I call you to and the scripture beckons us to. Kyle said that if we follow Jesus and we get real serious in the church, we're not gonna have any more fun. Nuh-uh, you don't know me too well. (laughs) Let's have fun. But I'm gonna tell you something right now. If you're a believer of Christ Jesus, 
and this stuff isn't fun, remember I told you before that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a believer? That may, may necessarily mean that you're not a believer. This is what we were saved for. And his word and his heart and his spirit resides in us. And that's how God receives all the glory and praise because we can't boast of it. We can't replicate it. We can't say, look at me. It can only be done by a supernatural work of God. And I'm all for allowing God to have his glory and all for us shutting our mouths and giving it back to him. Amen? It is the right and good thing for us to be drawn to as believers. So that being said, Notice I didn't talk about patience or love or gentleness or kindness or self-control. Those are all important, right? This is the fruits of the Spirit. Kyle, why'd you go dark on us? Because I've got good news. The gospel, listen to me, is all about, this is good news. It should be good news for you who are weak and tired. Gospel says give up. Give up. Let's see what God can do through us and in us. That's, I want to I turn that back. I want to see. I want to read that story. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Has to do with practice, getting good at it. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. Ain't that the truth? Provoking one another, envying one another. 